Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Hey there, welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast. My name is Ed Gandia, and this is the podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to earn more and less time doing work they love for better clients. Just a reminder that you can find detailed show notes for this episode at b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 211. Those notes include a summary of our discussion as well as links to resources mentioned during the show. If you publish a newsletter or a blog as part of your client attraction or authority building strategy, if you will, you're going to get a lot out of today's episode. One of the most frustrating aspects of, of that kind of writing is that it can be so difficult sometimes to come up with a steady stream of topic ideas. And even when you have the ideas, you often wonder if they're even worth writing and publishing. I mean, what could you possibly contribute that hasn't already been said by someone, right? Does that sound familiar? If it does, you're going to love the advice that Pamela Wilson, my guest for this episode, has to share with you. Pamela is the founder of Big Brand System, where she helps people build online businesses they love. And she explains why this can be such a stressful process, this process of creating your own content, how to never run out of ideas, and how to write your own content faster and with less hassle. And by the way, just a quick hint, even if you don't currently have your own blog or newsletter, or even if you're not even thinking about going in that direction, you'll see that you can also use the same process she shares when writing for clients. So it's going to be worth your while. I hope you enjoy it. Pamela, welcome. Great to have you here. I am so glad to be here. I've been looking forward to this. So have I. So have I. This is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and I'm excited to be talking with you about it. And before we dive in, why don't you give us the Pamela story? So tell us a bit about what you do today, what kind of clients, what kind of work, and maybe a little bit about the journey here. How did you get to this point? Mm, That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, the journey is part of the story for sure, because I started out as a graphic designer. So the majority of my career, I approached marketing, but from the visual angle. And if I needed any kind of writing to be done, I hired a writer. I hired a copywriter, an editorial style writer. I designed magazines and newsletters and, you know, lots of things for clients, but I never did the writing piece. So that's how I approach writing really as someone who had very little confidence in my ability to write. I had no experience with it. And I started Big Brand System, which is my online business in 2010, knew I wanted to use this thing called content marketing, was not sure how I was going to do this because I wasn't a writer, remember? So, Mm -hmm. but I really learned by doing. I started writing content. I started publishing consistently. I met the folks at Copyblogger and managed to, I still do not know how, but managed to convince them to let me write for Copyblogger, developed a nice relationship with them. And four years later, they asked me to join their team. And I was teaching content marketing to a community of content marketers. Still not sure how that happened, Ed, but... (laughs) um, Fake it till you make it, right? I guess, I guess. So, I mean, I started out writing about design topics for them, 
But then eventually got to the point that I felt like I had figured a few things out about content marketing and how to make it easier and faster because I was having to do it while I was juggling these other things. So, and then I ended up writing a couple of books about content marketing. So I'm really into it now. (laughs) Yeah. And I joke, I know that many of us just undervalue what we bring to the table and don't realize what others see in us. You know, I'm sure what you were delivering was fantastic. You're just wondering how you even got here. You know, it's uh, right. Absolutely. It's, yeah. It's one of those things you're like, um, is this really happening? Will somebody please pinch me? Yeah. So now what I'm doing is I teach people at Big Brand System, my site, I teach people how to build online businesses. And I have a couple of different ways I do this. I have a community, a membership community called the Big League. And then I also have private coaching clients. I have targeted courses. So one of my courses is called the Image Lab, and that is an in-depth course about visual marketing. And then I have my books. So I have all these different ways that I consider myself an online educator. That's the first thing I say when people ask me what I do. I'm like, I'm kind of an online educator. That's my thing. I like that term. So online businesses, when you work with those kinds of clients, I mean, I'm assuming it could be anything from a creative professional to a course creator to you know maybe some other categories all sorts of people i have people who want to teach yoga online people who teach accounting principles online all sorts of people really such a wide variety the majority of people that i work with already have some career experience some of them are looking to create an online business as kind of a second act Some of them are looking at it as something they want to take into retirement. So they're building this thing that is going to travel with them through their lives, a business that they can, you know, run and have the flexibility that an online business provides. It's a lot of fun. So one of the things that we connected about was this idea of writing your own content and not just writing your own content, but making it so it's not this big monumental recurring task. And I know you, obviously, because of the work you've done and what you've learned over the years when it comes to content marketing, this is something that you've developed some really useful strategies around. So let me give you a little bit of the backdrop to set the stage. Many of my listeners are challenged with this idea of creating content on a regular basis. And when I say content, I'm talking about content for themselves. So they decide to launch a newsletter or a blog and they have a really hard time. The intention is there, but they have a really hard time coming up with with topics they think would be worthy of that. And it starts that way and it continues that way. They may publish two or three issues and then they start having a lot of problems and then the blog or the newsletter just dies. And of course, that creates a negative feedback loop because then you start thinking, you know, I can't even do this. You know, what's wrong with me? And then the imposter syndrome. Well, you know, why can't I come up with this stuff on my own on a regular basis? Maybe I'm a fraud. You know, maybe I'm not qualified. Why do you think so many of us have this challenge where we can do this for clients, but we have a really hard time coming up with a steady stream of good content for our own promotional and thought leadership efforts? Right. Yeah. And I understand how that can make people feel terrible and like they're frauds, right? It's like, you know, this is for me. It's not even for a client. Why is this so difficult? I have a couple of theories about this. And I do think that part of it is just that 
we're sort of using different parts of our brains when we are coming up with content ideas and then using a different part of our brain when we're actually crafting that content and yet another part of our brain when we are editing that content. So I think part of it is just recognizing that the idea that you're going to sit down and come up with your content idea, create your content idea and edit your content idea all at once is not fair to you in a way because you're asking yourself to switch gears a couple of different times in the middle of creating this piece of content and it's just not taking full advantage of your brain power. So I think if you approach this differently and approach it kind of in stages, that can help a lot. I have this four-day content creation system. We can talk about that. It kind of breaks down the process over several days so that you have a chance to think, use the best part of your brain for every stage and also revisit your content several times with fresh eyes, which as you know, it's good to have fresh eyes so that you can see the mistakes and correct them before you publish. Definitely want to hit on that because what I would love for listeners to walk away with is maybe a framework or a roadmap for implementing this so they can actually solve this problem. Um, But I want to bring up a couple other things to see if they resonate with you and to see if, you know, maybe you have anything to, any insights to add to this. It's one of the most common objections I hear, or maybe not objections, really concerns is everything's already been said. What could I possibly add to the conversation that my audience, my prospects and clients would want to read? You know, what would you say to that kind of statement? Yeah. And I think what's tough is your audience is an audience of writers. So they are writing for a living all day, every day. So it may be a little bit difficult to feel like they can get in touch with their own voices because they're having to adopt the voices of their clients if they're doing their jobs right. So I think figuring out a way to get in touch with your own writing voice can be very helpful. There's a book that I read years ago called Accidental Genius. The author's name is Mark Levy. And this is a book that is all about really just doing a lot of free writing and writing that no one will see as a way to sort of get in touch with your own thought process, your own voice, and things like that. I do believe that you write your way to your own voice. You can't sort of intellectualize what your writing voice is going to be. You find your writing voice by writing. And it's a different kind of writing than the kind of writing you do for clients. It needs to be a little more free-flowing and it needs to invite ideas and feel less pressured perhaps than the writing we might do for clients, which oftentimes is you're under the gun, you've got a deadline and you have to crank it out. So I think if you can get in touch with maybe kind of a fun approach to writing something that really pulls your own voice out of you, that can make a big difference. So making that kind of a regular practice, just kind of stream of consciousness I'm familiar with a book. I read that years ago. I had forgotten all about it. Yeah, it's such a good book. I think it's a great book for this kind of work, for getting in touch with your voice, your own voice, not your client's voice, but your own writing voice, your voice that's unique, because that is the key to having something valuable to contribute. The idea is not to write about a topic that's never been written about before, because that is 
if it's not impossible now, it's going to be impossible soon. I mean, everything has been written about already, I think. You know, most things have already been covered, but not by you, not by you, and not in your voice, and not with your take on it. And that's the part that we need. But in order to deliver that, you have to sort of be in touch with your voice, right? Yeah, yeah, you do. And see if this rings true for you. It's almost like we know storytelling is such a big topic in marketing. And we as writers know that intellectually. We recognize the power of storytelling. But it seems like you know one easy way to add your own perspective and your own hook on something that's already been talked about is add a storytelling element, right? And that to me is one of the easiest ways because I could just talk about an experience that I had, I don't know, at the movies the other day or picking up mail at the UPS store or there's always something that you can find with, you can add a little anecdote to make it come alive. I mean, just as, as a last resort. Right, no, absolutely. A last resort and potentially first resort. I think what's tough about it is you're talking to an audience of people who are really not supposed to let their own stories into the work they're doing for clients, I would think, Mm. for the most part, right? Yes, correct. So you're saying, you know, use an anecdote from your life. But like I said, it's almost like a different part of your brain. You're, You're having to put on a different hat and just write in a way that feels very different from what you are doing for your clients to earn your living, right? So I think that the way you can get in touch with that is doing this kind of free, fun writing that maybe no one sees, but that helps you to get in touch with that voice. And then the other thing that I would love to talk about, I mean, I do want to talk about this content creation system, but what happens before you start using that content creation system is something that I call the content idea library. And this is just a place where you register those anecdotes that you would love to explore later. So it's a single place. This is probably the most important concept to understand. It is a single place. So it's not a note on your phone and a Word document on your laptop and, you know, a notepad in your office. It is one single place that you decide this is where all my ideas are going. And every time you think of any kind of scrap of a concept that you could use in your own content, you drop it into this content idea library. And what's great about that is when you sit down to create content, you have this bank of ideas that you can draw from. You can look at all these different concepts that you've written down over time and pull out the one that's going to work for the topic that you want to talk about. You have them at hand. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Um, I love that idea because I think once you have that in place, then the at least for me, the anxiety of, oh my gosh, how am I going to capture that, then goes away. Right, right. And you know, and, you have that repository. Right, exactly. The way I teach this is, you know, you get to decide if you are someone who likes tangible things, maybe you have, you know, like a notebook or note cards or post-it notes that you put up somewhere. If you're someone who likes a digital solution, like I personally have mine in Evernote because I have Evernote on my phone, I have it on my laptop, and I can just fire it up and I have a single note with all my content ideas in it. So I just drop them in there and I have so many things to pull from now. I'm never at a loss for stories. I've done the same thing. 
I have mine in Evernote, but now I'm experimenting with using that as kind of the first bucket and mm-hmm. then kind of having them flow to a specific folder and Dropbox is kind of the next repository, which nice. becomes, right? Because then the Evernote folder is kind of a, or the notebook there is kind of a mess. Um, yes. But then I can kind of sanitize and move the better ones to this folder. I don't know. I'm still playing around with it, but I'm a huge believer in that. I, I think that's a great idea. In fact, I think that's a good segue to uh, the content creation system. So but let's talk about that. How can you start? Because I think that's what many of us are missing is a process. Right. You know, when, when you see the process, then it doesn't feel as overwhelming because you don't have to bang it out all at once. And then you have something you can just follow. So can you walk us through that system? Yeah. Like you just said, I think part of the problem is that people feel like they have to find these huge chunks of time, four or five hours to create their content. Those are never and, available. That I, never not happens. Not in my life. I mean, I don't know about <laughs> in your life. But I, On Monday, I, it sounds like Friday is doable, but Friday morning comes and like there's oh, no way. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, four to five hours for anything is really hard to find. So if you are deciding, you know, when I have four or five hours, then I'll create my content. It's no wonder you're not creating content because nobody has that kind of chunk of time free to do this. I think it's a mistake. And there's another reason it's not just not having that time chunk. It's also because at the very end of the content creation process for any kind of content, whether it's written, audio, video, there is an editing process that needs to happen. There's a polishing stage that needs to happen. And you don't want to be doing that when your brain is exhausted because you've been working on this piece of content for four or five hours. You can't even see it anymore at that point or hear it or the mistakes are not obvious. So you want to make sure that you approach your content with fresh eyes and with a fresh brain a couple of different times. And that's why I came up with this process. So I call it my four-day creation system. And it starts, it's four days, but really day zero is having the idea or the topic already planned. So that's where the content idea library can help. Some people need to write content that requires research. So that would also be day zero. You get your topic and any research that you need you have that on hand. And then on day one, your goal is to write a headline. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be the final, final headline, but it's a headline that gets you excited about writing the piece. And I'm sure you do this, Ed. The idea is that you write, you know, 20, 25, 30 headlines. You write a lot of headlines Mm -hmm. until you really find one that you're like, yes, I can't wait to write that piece of content. That is going to be an amazing piece of content just based on the headline. I mean, you're excited to write it because the headline is that good. That's what you want to aim for. And then you want to try to have your subheads thought out. I mean, this is just how I structure content. I tend to think through the subheads because the subheads are how your reader is going to move through your content. So between you and me, what we're really doing on day one is we're creating an outline. But I, I was don't just like going to say, this sounds like a sneaky way. <laughs> it's of, a of sneaky like, way of making an outline. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. call it your content backbone. You know, it's like you're creating a backbone that you're going to hang the rest of your words. But yeah, I mean, I don't call it an outline because that gives us all flashbacks to like middle school English and that's not good. So no. headline and subheads, that's what we aim for on the first day. And once your life, 
your brain is going to keep thinking about your content. So you may find yourself coming up with great ideas for your content while you're doing other things. Then on day two, you want to focus on getting your draft produced. And I'm sure you do this. Write the draft so that day two is actually creating the draft. Creating the draft, right. You want to get your first draft written. And the idea here is you want to write forward and not backward. And that means that you just write it forward, you get it written, you get it out, you do not go back and edit. You just get the words or the content out of your head. You're plugging in things under your headline. You've got some kind of a a really compelling first sentence. You have an introduction section. And then you're filling in under all those nice subheads that you created the day before. And then you're summarizing things toward the end. You're adding a call to action because this is a piece of content marketing. And for it to be marketing, you need to have some kind of call to action. Mm -hmm. And you're just getting the first draft written. That's all you need to do. You'll be doing more writing on day two than any other day. It's the heavy day. So extra coffee, extra tea, whatever it takes, a little extra time, but you just get it done on day two. And then on day three, you come back to your content and you edit it. So again, this is where you're using that part of your brain that is the editor. It's not the creator, it's the editor. So you go back, you're able to see your mistakes, you notice the holes, you can correct things that are wrong, and you make those edits and then polish it up. I always recommend you add at least one image, if not several. Images are very important online, they're important for SEO. So that all of that happens on day three. And at the end of day three, you are setting it up to publish. And then on day four, your content is created, it's published, and then it's your job to promote it and get it out to as many places as possible. And if you've created a piece of epic content, reach out to colleagues and ask them to share it. You want to really advocate for your content and get it into as many people's hands as possible on that day four. Gotcha. So publish, I mean, technically part of day three, but maybe day four, publish and promote? Publish, promote, and propagate, right? Ah, all right. Very nice. We want to get it out there and give it a really good chance. Yes. Yeah. I like this idea of breaking it up into days because just chunking it out like this makes it feel so doable. I also think, and I haven't tried this, so I need to put this process into play. I would think that day zero and day one, you're building what I like to think of as a tension. Um, I need tension in order to start writing my draft efficiently and efficiently and in a way that I don't edit while I write. And I will only do that if I've built up enough tension and excitement that I just, the the thing has just got to write itself. So I like this idea of we've built up enough tension early on that on day two, you're ready to rock and roll. Yes, absolutely. And that's where I think, especially for writers, I mean, there have been times that I've come up with headlines that make me sort of say, I can't wait to write this content. You know, like I'll say to my husband, you're not going to believe the head daring yourself to write content to match the epic headline that you've come up with. So I feel like that's a very important part of the process. Absolutely. Okay. So this is great because this addresses a big part of this challenge, which is this idea that in order to get this done, you have to block out five hours or a whole day. It's like 
when I have that time, I'm going to do it, but that time never comes. The other thing would be the library. I think that's massive because if you can keep that library, then you'll never run out of ideas. And I think just having the library helps you come up with more ideas. I know that's been the case for me, that the bigger my library, the more ideas I seem to come up with. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's like your junk drawer, right? (laughs) The stuff in your junk drawer kind of multiplies when you're sleeping at night. So it's the same thing. You just, right? Because ideas spur other ideas. So you put them all in one place and suddenly you start seeing connections between them and you just, you do, you get even more ideas. I should say there's one more thing that really cranks up the impact of this four-day content creation system. And I think in particular, if you've got people who are having a difficult time creating content consistently, Mm -hmm. and it is to pick a publication day and just work your way backward with this four-day content creation system. So let's say that you always publish on Thursdays. That's your goal. I'm going to write a post a week and I'm going to publish it on Thursdays. You start this process, maybe you start it the Friday before with your research or picking your topic. And then on Monday, you write your headline and subheads. Then maybe you have a standing meeting on Tuesdays and you can't do it. So Wednesday, or sorry, nope, that's not going to work out actually. So you write your first draft on Tuesday, you're editing and polishing on Wednesday, and Thursday is your publication day. So basically, you look at your schedule and then plug these tasks in on certain days of the week. And if it's Monday, you're writing your headline and subheads because that's what you do on Mondays. And it seems like then in that approach, the deadline is not so much because everyone is waiting, bated breath, right? It's that it gives you something to build your process Exactly. Yes. Yes. It adds this consistency to your own schedule where each piece of this task is not so massive that you can't fit it in, even if you have a busy day. So even if you have a busy Wednesday, you know that what you need to do by the end of the day is to edit your post and add an image. So you just fit it in so that everything's ready to go by Thursday. You know, one of the things that that struck me when you talked about writing your headline and subhead, especially with a headline idea, is that I think one of the things that trips up a lot of people when it comes to writing their own content is that they want to cover way too much ground. Um, So it's like way too complicated. They can't quite get their arms around this thing. And I know one thing that's really helped me with my own content is just thinking in terms of simpler, more granular topics. Because, and I, so that's where the headline comes in. The headline kind of forces you to get really specific and narrow down your topic and makes the writing a lot easier, wouldn't you say? I think it does. I like to think about content in terms of where the audience is as far as their level of understanding around your topic before I write as well. So, I mean, just to make it super basic, I usually just say, they're either beginners or they're intermediate or they're advanced. So beginners are trying to even just define your topic. They're not sure what it is or what it means. And so they're asking a lot of what questions. What is this thing? What does it mean to, you know, bake gluten-free? I'm gluten-free now. I'm trying to figure out what this means. Like, what does it mean to do this? And then people at the intermediate level actually want to start applying it. So they're looking for how-to type articles, how to create gluten-free 
you know, cookies for the holidays or something like that. And then advanced visitors really need an advanced level of information. So maybe they're trying to make money with your topic. They're really, they're more advanced. So I think if you can think about it that way as well, that can help you even cover the same topic, but three different ways for three different types of readers so that you can meet their needs. I like that. That that can help a lot. And I know uh, a lot of my listeners, they're trying to write for marketing directors, for instance. So in many cases, I would think it's going to be intermediate or advanced. The assumption is that, well, they already know all this. And one thing I keep emphasizing is, look, marketing directors wear like 28 different hats. Right. Um, what you do is so specialized that you can't assume that what you know and the insights you have are going to be the same. They're, they're going to have those as well. So think in terms of where are, in terms of this topic, I like that idea of, you know, where would most of them be? And that will give you really good direction. But don't assume that, oh, they already know this or that the spin I'm going to give it is they've already heard this. Yeah, they don't won't. know your take on it. Exactly. That's one we all want to hear. So. Yeah, That's make it where your own. getting back in touch with your voice and bringing in your own personal experience and your own point of view is so important. So we've talked about a few of these already, but what are some of the any other mistakes you see that writers make when it comes to the topics they choose for their blog or their newsletter? Yeah. And it's funny because this kind of ties back into the content idea library and having ideas pre-thought out. But I'm a visual thinker, as you can imagine. So I sort of see this as a tree. So if you can imagine your overarching topic that you talk about on your website or in your business is kind of like the trunk of the tree. And then everything that you write about should branch out from that trunk. The larger branches are maybe the categories that you write about on your website. And then from there, you have all these smaller branches. And maybe they reflect, like we talked about, the level of understanding of your reader, but they all need to be connected to that trunk at the bottom of everything. So the big mistake that I see people make is in the name of trying to create content, they just write about anything. So let's say you have a website about copywriting, but then you have this amazing gluten-free dessert recipe that you decide to share one day, well, you put that on your site. I mean, that's where you get into trouble. You end up, you confuse search engines, first of all, because they're not sure what your site is about because you're writing about copywriting, but then all of a sudden you have this post that's about, you know, a gluten-free dessert. So what's the deal? And then you also confuse people. They don't know what to expect from you. So I think if you can spend some time thinking about what is your trunk at the bottom of your tree, what is your main, main topic, then what are the larger branches that come out from that? And then what are some different ways that you can think about those larger branches and different audiences that you can write for? That will just help you to stay on topic, which is such a smart idea because search engines will understand who they should send to your website. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds easy, but I know this can be a challenge, especially because we tend to be very curious about a lot of different things and excited about different topics. And it's very tempting, isn't it? To, oh, but I want to write about this thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, once people are on your email list, if you want to 
add some stories that are slightly off topic in your email marketing, I think it's fine because people are in your community at that point. They understand who you are. So I think you can go a little bit more off topic once they're actually connected with you, right? But for publishing on your website, it's really important to send a consistent signal to both search engines and then people who randomly find your stuff online so that they understand what exactly it is that you do. I think it's really smart. It's adding that human element once they're on board is great, but got to keep it consistent while before that, before they get there. And you know what, Ed? It is hard, but it's not that hard. If you... Have a place to capture your ideas and you just sit down. I mean, sit down with your favorite beverage when you're all relaxed and just sit there and, you know, make a mind map or something. Mm -hmm. It's not that difficult. I just think people don't take the time to do it. And if they do, I think it would help them to stay on track. It would just help to guide their ideas so that they make sure that everything they're publishing is connected back to the main topic they talk about. You know, I really think it all boils down to, in terms of making this happen on a consistent basis, to making the commitment in setting the deadlines, meaning the publication dates. Because if you're committed and then you set those publication dates, then you work backwards and you make it happen. I mean, how many times do we make things happen? Well, look at client deadlines. Perfect example. Isn't it amazing? Like we get them done. Right. Okay, we get them done because we have no choice. You wake up early every day because you have no choice. You got to get your kid up feed him breakfast and get him to the bus on time. And the days when that doesn't happen, you probably don't wake up at that time, right? But you get it done. And I think creating those constraints for yourself are, that is the, one of the most critical things to making this a, a habit. Otherwise it just becomes an intention and that's it. Absolutely. This has been great, Pamela. I want to make sure that we don't sign off before talking about your book. I know you got a couple of books, but Tell me uh, especially about master content strategy. I'm curious to know more about that. Right. Well, master content strategy is the second book in the master content series that I wrote. It's a two-part series. And the first book is master content marketing. Your audience does not need master content marketing. It's really a book that's written for people who don't consider themselves to be writers, to give them a content structure that they can follow so that over time they can master the art of creating content. Master content strategy is really about how to use the content that you create. So how to map out promotions that weave in content marketing, for example, or how to set up a new website with content, how to use content on a website that's been around for a while, And even what you can do with content on a site that's been around for many, many years where you potentially have hundreds of blog posts or podcasts or videos, what you can do to make the most of that content. And then ideas for repurposing content so that you can make the most out of everything you put together and updating older content to keep it at the top of people's awareness, things like that. So it's a little more strategic. It's not so much about actually getting the content created, which is what was in Master Content Marketing. It's more about what to do with that content once you have it. You know, what I love about the topic, as you just described it, is I'm thinking not only is this something that I could use for myself in terms of my own content marketing strategy, but lots of ideas that I could use when working with clients on the same. 
Yeah. I've heard from a lot of writers who've said, I bought your book for my client. <laughs> yeah. Because it helps the client to understand what exactly this magic is that you're doing for them. You know, there's a lot to it. And I think it helps to justify the work that you do and maybe the prices that you charge. Absolutely. So where can listeners learn more about the book and about you? And, you know, where can they check you out? Well, the best place to find me is on my website, bigbrandsystem.com. And I did create a short link to a page just for your listeners. It's bigbrandsystem.com forward slash H-I-B-W. I like it. High Income Business Writer. See, you're smart because you did the acronym instead of spelling it all out, which you're right. Oh, yeah, that's way too long. (laughs) Way too long for a podcast. H-I-B-W, if they go to bigbrandsystem.com forward slash H-I-B-W, that's going to redirect to a page that's got some of my free content and a couple of workshops and fun things that they can explore there. Awesome. We'll make sure to include that in the show notes as well, make it easier for folks. But Pamela, thank you so much. This has been fun. It's been enlightening. I got notes here for myself too. I learned quite a few things from what you shared with us. Oh, that's great. I'm glad to hear it. I'm so glad we had a chance to talk, Ed. This has been so much fun. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. The High Income Business Writing Podcast is a production of B2B Business Launcher. Learn more at b2blauncher.com.